Nebraska on Tap, the source for everything educational and informational about groundwater in agriculture. If you are an ag producer or a citizen of Nebraska, this show is made for you by the Middle Republican Natural Resource District. Now it's time for our weekly show, hosted by Heather Disming. Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to Nebraska on Tap and listening to what we have in store for you this week. So this week we talked to my longtime friend Levi. Levi works at No More Empty Pots in Omaha. So what No More Empty Pots is, is it a grassroots nonprofit organization connecting individuals and groups to improve self-sufficiency, regional food security, and economic resilience of urban and rural communities through advocacy and action. No More Empty Pots strives to support communities in becoming self-sufficient and food secure through collaboration and adherence to the core values of education, stewardship, and sustainability. With this episode, I wanted to focus a little bit more on that small-scale farming and what it takes to get something like this going. So Levi's been there for a couple years now, and he seems to really like it. It's great. So we got his perspective on what it's like to go through and manage these small-scale farms when you are doing something a little different, such as feeding a community, because No More Empty Pots also has like a commercial kitchen, and they do quite a few different things. So let's get into that interview with Levi on his nonprofit that he works for called No More Empty Pots. Hello, my name is Levi Frerichs. I am a facility specialist for a nonprofit in Omaha, Nebraska uh, called No More Empty Pots. The organization focuses on food scarcity and community resources in finding fresh, uh, healthy alternatives for families, uh, specifically in food deserts. We prioritize agriculture and education as well as the culinary aspect of it. So essentially, teaching members of the community and encouraging them to grow their own produce and then what to do with that produce afterwards in, in terms of storing, cooking, and getting the most out of your, your crop wherever, whatever zones you're in. So gardening zones where you're located uh, and then deciding what to grow in your, that grows best in your zone. And what type of environment do you guys have your garden located on, Levi? So we have three different gardens. The The food hub is the main base for the organization. We have a rooftop garden with raised beds here. Then our second location is the greenhouse, which is an 18,000 square feet greenhouse with two separate areas. One is for hydroponics and one is for soil growing. We also, we also have commercial kitchens located in each of the locations, uh, and those are used for education on cooking, as well as providing weekly community harvest meals, which there are two meals every week we push out, as well as CSA box, which I call a community source agriculture box. So we procure local produce from farmers, pack them into boxes for people as a subscription uh, that they can either pay for if they can afford it, or we can also have them qualify for free boxes depending on their household income. So how do you prepare for this urban farming that you do um, in the springtime, or do you do it more towards the summertime? Is it kind of a whole year-round thing that you're preparing for your harvest? It's a, it's a year-round preparation. So every season has different things that require a team to 
either prepare for or do the physical act of planting and harvesting. An annual thing would be spring and fall since we're in a, in a climate that has a, a strong winter. That's our best time to plant and harvest. Um, but the greenhouse itself is a year-round thing where we grow uh, greens and at, at this time it's predominantly greens. So salad mixes, kale, uh, spinach. And you um, said that's hydroponic? Yes. And what have you noticed with the difference of growing hydroponically and then also in soil? So soil retains a lot of the nutrients and is really easy to produce good yields, uh, especially if you're getting compost from a trusted resource, whereas hydroponics requires a lot of regular testing, like almost daily, if not every other day, uh, just to maintain the the nutrients in the water. So that's the big difference is that soil naturally has its own nutrients, whereas hydroponics, you're required to monitor and adjust the pH levels as well as the nutrients that the plants need. And what other kind of training and education go on when it comes to the food safety, since you guys do work with the public and you also do your food boxes and you have kitchens? That's a, a, a big challenge for urban farmers is to be able to be up to, to date with the county that they're in. So you have to find your, your local health department, talk to them about what you want. And then from there, they come and inspect your facility to make sure that everything is up to date, that there's no contamination issues. So in the greenhouse specifically, we, are, we do not allow any outside food to come into the space. People are required to wear latex gloves, masks, and we try to provide clothing so people will come into the space, change, and then they'll start working from there. It's a big, it's a big item uh, in terms of health and safety when you're producing food for the public. And so it just requires a lot of managing of the, the outside contaminants. Right. And how do you educate these community members that you bring in and offer these classes for? When we are encouraging community members to grow their own gardens. Uh, most of the time it's going to happen in a space that's available to them. It doesn't have as many requirements if they're not uh, providing food for commercial use, like selling or retailing their products. Mm -hmm. It's mostly just a uh, knowledge on herbicides and pesticides and the harmful reactions that that can cause. It's funny, our horticulturalist on staff here uh, doesn't use any herbicides or pesticides. She's a orthodox farmer, so there's no genetically modified seeds. When you ask her about a pesticide, she'll squish her fingers together because it's a physical pesticide. You just basically monitor the plants. When you see a pest, you have to squish them. So it's different when you're not providing produce for the community in a wholesaling aspect. Mm -hmm. um, just an encouragement on keeping things as uh, minimal as possible. So minimal chemicals minimal additives, unless it's what the plants need as nutrients. Well, I guess if um, you have to find things and squish them, it definitely leads you to know a lot of bugs, huh? Yeah, definitely. And there are a lot of pests, but that's a, that's a part of farming. You know, we grow produce to not only share with humans, but the, uh, the other critters and pests that live, live amongst the gardens. And then uh, one last question before I let you go. What are some issues urban farmers can have? or that you've experienced yourself? Oh, a, a ton. Maybe so, like the top so, five. <laughs> <laughs> Urban farming has a lot of challenges. Uh, some of the factors are limited space, lack of soil, and, and nutritious soil too, because in an urban setting, if the soil has not been treated for issues like soot and 
coal usage that has compiled into the soil, that soil is going to have less nutrients and produce less. There's also exposure to pollution. So you have car pollution, you have uh, litter and trash pollution, and that's another big one. But the most challenging for somebody who's starting an urban farm is how much land can cost. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're in a, in a city, it's going to be more expensive per acre than you would if you were out in the country. Uh, but that kind of defeats the purposes of locally sourced produce, reducing food deserts. So to combat that, you can you can utilize uh, something like a, a container, like a shipping container that you can build out into the hydroponic or a soil-based garden with grow lights, and it's contained so you don't have to worry about pollutants. It's also mobile, so if you're looking to have somewhere that a community that you can get into, a shipping container would be a good alternative. Raised, raised beds are also something that has more control uh, in terms of nutrients and the soil that you're using, so you're not having to go in and dig out feet of soil just to add more on top that has the nutrients that you need. Despite the challenges, urban farming has the potential to make a significant contribution to food security and sustainability in ur urban areas. Urban farming is likely to continue to grow in popularity, like rooftop farm with rooftop farming or vertical farming, community gardens as well as aquaponics, all different ways that people can get into communities that need fresh produce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the cost of land is definitely one of the biggest that I've seen. Not in, not only with the organization that I work with, but personally. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're an apartment renter and you want to be able to provide your own produce, sometimes uh, landlords won't allow you to have gardens or till up land. Then you're also faced with, you know, electrical, plumbing things that have been buried underground that you would have to contract the city to be able to come and inspect to be able to find out where best suits. Lighting is also an issue with urban farming. If it's in a city that has high rises, you're going to have less direct light during the day. So you kind of have to find a place that would suit adequate light for the seasons changing. And then has water ever been an issue? Yeah. And the community aspect really comes into play here. So if you're in a lot that doesn't have a well or access to city water, sometimes you might have to ask a neighbor if you can hook up a hose to their house and, and pay them a bit of money for that water, uh, which can definitely add up in terms of overhead costs. Mm -hmm. So it's something to think about while you're looking for a location to do with planting or urban farming. Finding a neighbor or getting those big bins, like the if you want to reuse water, Mm -hmm. uh, you can set up a, a water catcher, have one of those big water bins that are like a pallet size and fill, filling one of those up periodically just to have water on site. So yeah, I forgot to mention that. That is definitely a big a big issue with urban farming is access to water and another expense too. So mm -hmm. it, it, it goes back to the education part and then developing a business plan that is suitable to the area that you're in um, with keeping in mind of like water costs, land costs, all the way down to like what the cost of the seed is. So, and plus uh, if you need soil, that's a cost for you too, which you, stinks because yeah. you have soil, but you need different soils. And being in Omaha, we're lucky there's a, there's an organization, there's a company here that does waste removal. It's called Hillside Solutions. They do compost, energy bag, paper recycling and plastic recycling. It's such a community-based organization that every year they have a, a drive or like a fundraiser where people who are part of their composting, uh, so we pay to have them remove our compost, which includes food waste, paper, and compostable products. 
So they, every year they host a fundraiser where anybody who is a part of their compost club is what they call it. Mm-hmm. They can donate their compost to organizations or individuals that are also on that list. And uh, so we do get about last year, I think we got about 125 cubic yards of compost donated to us as an organization from individuals who are also signed up in their compost club. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So it, it, there, there are resources like that, that you can get compost for free, but, but otherwise it, it is an expensive thing to purchase outright. So partnering with somebody like Hillside Solutions or even, you know, neighboring farms or community members that have compost bins, if you can reach out to them and see if there's any way that you can contribute to their compost piles to get compost when you need it. That's uh, that's some other tips and tricks on, on how to get things, get the overhead costs down a bit. All right, Levi. Well, thank you so much for your time today and telling us a little bit about some of the challenges you face um, as an urban farmer, but thank you so much for keeping up with everything and making that food happen. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and reaching out. And I'm, I'm happy to to spread the knowledge. This is this is definitely something that we need in the world today. Happy happy to contribute any any knowledge that I have. Perfect. Thank you. All right. So as you heard there from Levi, it's not a part-time job. It's a full-time job because you need to get the ground worked. You need to get the seeds in, and then you need to take care and manage your garden as the seasons change. So thank you again, Levi, for telling us a little bit about everything you do up there in Omaha with No More Empty Pots. And I hope it inspires a few people that are listening to get involved with their community gardens or to even start a community garden to help better with that food insecurity that we might have in our local neighborhood and just to give a fresh source of food for our local neighborhoods as well. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more about us, you can always go to www.nebraskaontap.com. You can like and subscribe our pages on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And we look forward to having everybody back next week for our next episode of Nebraska on Tap. Have a great rest of the week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.